Coming to you from the Chase Bridge here at the world's most famous arena, this is the Igloo, the coolest podcast in all of college basketball, with your boy Timmy Ice. Warm-ups happening on the court right now as St. John's and Marquette gear up for their quarterfinal showdown. Again, tip-off at noon. Here's your recap now of the first round on Wednesday. And let's start with St. John's. The Red Storm got off to a great start. I mean, they really were pouring it on after it was pretty even through most of the first half. Well, through a good chunk of the first half. I mean, actually, it was a really high-scoring affair. Just over four minutes in, it was 11-10. to 10. Both teams hit, clicking on all cylinders offensively. But St. John's went into the locker room with a 15-point advantage. So the Red Storm, they led by as many as 20. Actually, by 21. Was it 21? Yeah, the biggest lead is 21, 54-33 with 15-39 left. St. John's got a little careless with the ball, and Butler cut it down to a nine-point game with 3.43 to go after Simas Lukosius intercepted a pass right around half court from the baseline and took a step-in three to cut it down to nine, but St. John's... Responded with a 6-0 run, capped off with a Joel Soriano dunk. And St. John's, a 76-63 winner. Joel Soriano, another monstrous game, a double-double. 19 points, 15 rebounds on 8 of 13 shooting. By the way, the Johnnies, a 53 to 28 edge on the glass and to think at one point it was actually 49 to 19 and the Johnnies had 20 offensive rebounds meanwhile AJ Store 15 points on 4 of 7 shooting and knocked down his only 3 point attempt of the game Pasha Alexander 13 points 5 of 10 shooting 3 of 7 from long range David Jones with 12 off the bench on 6 of 13 shooting 5 rebounds in 21 minutes Dylan today, Wusu a double-double. 10 points, 10 boards, and 4 assists. 4 of 13 from the floor, 2 of 5 behind the arc. I mean, those five guys really paced this group. Omar Stanley, 4.7 rebounds on just 2 of 9 shooting. And then they got 3 points in 11 minutes from Colby King. So, St. John's, 43.5% from the floor. And Mike Anderson was really impressed with how his team played. Again, this is it's postseason play. So you got to step your game up. So here is what MA had to say after this first round victory, which, strangely enough, in terms of playing on Wednesday in the Big East tournament, their sixth consecutive win. On Wednesday night. First game in Big East tournament. Uh, <clears throat> you have an opportunity to do that. As a coach, you always 
wonder how your team's gonna come out. And uh, uh, but our guys, I thought, came out with with good energy and uh, uh, made some shots early, established inside. Uh, did a good job of you know, getting to the glass. I thought that was gonna be a big, uh, gonna be a big stat in this particular game. You know, we played them recently. I thought they did a good job of attacking the glass and with enabling them to get to the free throw line. So. But coming into the, like I said, tournament play, uh, we survived in advance. Uh, the first game's out of the way, so now uh, we have a chance to play a second game. So for Butler, really three guys carried him and five guys scored total. By the way, no, ban no Manny Bates, no Eric Hunter Jr. due to them failing to meet their academic requirements being in the graduate studies program had to have at least a B and neither met that requirement. So instead, well, they got Ali Ali back, so that's a plus, but it was Seamus Lukosius and Jalen Thomas as well as Miles Tate leading the way. Lukosius with 23 points on 8 of 15 shooting, 4 of 9 behind the arc. Jalen Thomas with 20 points on 10 of 16 shooting, 6 rebounds. But Miles Tate, 10 points off the bench. Again, this guy only played nine games all year last year, coming off a horrific knee injury at the end of his freshman year. And he played 20 minutes in this game. Which is, if I'm not mistaken, that's the most he's played in the game all season. Granted, the circumstances forced that. And his 10 points... The most he's had this season, previous high was 7 against Marquette. 4 of 11 shooting, 1 of 5 behind the arc off the bench. Ali Ali, 5 points in 21 minutes. They only got 3 from Jaden Taylor, and then Chuck Harris only had 2 free throws in 25 minutes. So Butler, I mean, given they were down 21, they could have easily just rolled over knowing that their season was pretty much over. But... But they didn't. Uh, here's what uh, head coach Dad Mata had to say, and then you're going to hear Seamus uh, Lukoc is talking about Miles Tate and everything he's had to overcome and to have the kind of game that he had yesterday with 10 points off the bench for his season high. You know, Again, given the circumstances of the horrific knee injury and only playing just the nine games just a year ago. Uh, coach, you, you know, you found yourselves down 20 early in the second half. I mean, how impressed were you with the fight that they showed, getting it down all the way to nine as time is winding down? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, we finally started playing the right way. When we started the game, we were, we were not connected. We were not together. We, uh, you know, the transition, the rebounds. I mean, the difference in the game was the rebounding, obviously. Um, but, you know, like I said, we those guys – and, and they kept chipping away, chipping away. Huddles got better, and, and uh, uh, you know this team, as I told them afterwards, they, they've shown throughout the course of the season they play some really, really good basketball. Um, but when we're not connected, we're just we're, we're not that talented. And Simas, uh, I mean, you saw Miles Tate. I mean, he had been out of commission last year. So, I mean, how great was it to see him end this season, um, given those circumstances, to have a really good game here at the Garden tonight? Um, I'm really happy for him. It was, it was great to see, you know. I love him to death. And, you know, I see how, how good he is, how hard he works every day in practice. And, uh, 
So St. John's is going to face Marquette here in the quarterfinals, as I mentioned, right at the beginning of the show. And St. John's just faced Marquette five days ago in Milwaukee in a game where, you know, they found themselves down early. But nearly stole that game from the Golden Eagles on their home court on their senior day. So St. John's, you know, after the way they played, I don't blame them for being confident, not just how they ended the game against Marquette despite the loss, but also with how they played in the victory yesterday being dominant on the glass. So here's what their star center, Joel Soriano, had to say about this grudge match with the Golden Eagles now that it's in New York City right in their backyard. Uh, brother, Pasha, Joel, I mean, now you get Marquette tomorrow and you nearly stole one from them in Milwaukee and now it's here in the garden right in your backyard. I mean, how are you feeling about getting a chance to steal one from the regular season champs and the number one seed in this tournament? Well, we know Marquette. Marquette's going to come in and give us a big fight. They're a very well-coached team. Uh, they demonstrated that. Um, I think we just have to play our game. So an easily the best game of the night yesterday, DePaul Seton Hall. This was surprising in a lot of ways. So DePaul really shot it well in the first half and really all game. The Blue Demons led 32-28 at the break with Jalen Terry Scorching hot from three. He had nine points at the break. Casey Nadefo had his shot going. He had 10 at halftime. He even knocked down a couple threes, which is not really his game. But Seton Hall down four, heading into the locker room. And after going down... By as many as six. I mean, the Pirates went on a monster run. I mean, down 34-28 right at the start of the second half. They went on a big run to actually take their biggest lead at 46-37. So an 18-3 run. So they held DePaul. In the first 10 minutes of the second half to just six points. Eight points, excuse me. But DePaul, you know, is just when the scene hall looked like you were to pull away, you know, up eight, seven minutes to go after a Jameer Harris three, DePaul just didn't go away. And Seton Hall, they were up four with... 16 seconds to go. I thought it was 18. Uh, DePaul quickly scores. Jalen Terry with a layup. Um, and then... DePaul calls timeout after the layup. Femi Odukali on the inbounds. 
runs the baseline because he has that capability. But the pass is picked off by Jalen Terry, who then passed to Emoja Gibson. And Casey Ndefo trying to go back makes a reckless contest on the three and fouls Gibson. One of the best free throw shooters in the conference. And what does Gibson do even after Seton Hall calls timeout to try to ice him after the second shot? Calmly goes three for three. And the Blue Demons take the lead. Their first since they were up 35-34. So... No timeout called by Shaheen Holloway. Femi Odukali, really well drawn up play. Tyree Samuel was the recipient of the inbounds pass who quickly then handed it off to Odukali who dribbles all the way the length of the court, goes for a layup. Nick Angenda blocks it, but the referees call goaltending right at the horn, so... A lot of us are thinking, oh, it's over. But, and I credit the refs, this is smart thinking. They can only review stuff that they call, not that they don't call. So they call the goaltend with that in mind. They check the monitor, and even on the Jumbotron, I'm not going to lie, Angenda had it clean. It was a great play by Odukali to get to the rim and had a really good lane to the bucket. But that was a world-class play from the Canadian destroyer, Nick Ongenda, Mississauga native, with a heroic block to give DePaul the win as the call was overturned. So, I mean, a lot happened on that final sequence. You had the steal on the inbounds, a careless turnover, which led to the Gibson three-point attempt where he was fouled. He makes three of three. And then Angenda makes the block. So, like, again, that wouldn't have happened if they were more careful on the inbounds and didn't turn it over. Not to mention there was also a really careless play leading 63-61. Aldemir Dawes going up the court. He had Tyree Samuel wide open in front, kind of in front of, um, like right around the Jeep logo, closest to the benches. And he could have passed it up, but he didn't. And he committed a turnover. And was there contact? Sure. But... That wouldn't have happened if he just passed the ball off smartly, but he kept his head down dribbling and, you know, made the mistake. And on the other end, I mean, they could have had a the tying dunk if Von Genda converts the alley-oop, but he didn't. And DePaul got the rebound and then called timeout. And then Deshaun Nelson misses a really close shot. I mean, it, the way it rimmed out, I, I was up there like... Oh my God. And then Harris got the rebound and then went to the line. And then we all know what happened after that. So here is what the players had to say. Uh, well, 
here's what Jalen Terry and Umoja Gibson had to say about the steal and going to the line to take the lead. And then yeah, here's what Shaheen Holloway had to say about the final play and how Femi executed it, which everything went right except getting the shot blocked. And again, great offensive play, but an even greater defensive play. Uh, Jalen and Umoja, um, can you explain kind of what happened with the sequence where you're you're down two and on the inbounds, you know, getting the steal and then Umoja, you getting the look and then getting fouled to go to the line to potentially take the lead? Yeah, you know, JT, JT just made a good play. We were just watching it on our phones. Uh, I think Big East, uh, the media, talked to it. And I said he looked like a DB out there the way he read it. He snuck behind him and stole it. And then he had awareness to hit me on the uh, trailer three. And I was able to get the shot up and get fouled. And they really said, uh, I honestly thought he hit the three. I thought that's going to hit it. Uh, he's a great shooter. Trusted him. Shaw, the play that you you had drawn up for Femi, I mean, other than the outcome, I mean, what'd you think about the execution for him to get that clear lane to the bucket for a chance to win it? No, I thought it was good execution. You know, I thought we, you know, we did everything except, you know, um, finish. You know, he did a great job of, of pushing it, you know, and getting, and getting to the rim. Um, we work we work on those special situations every day in practice. And I keep telling these guys, you know, uh, four seconds, 3.5 seconds is a lot of time to get places in. You know, next year, and the kid just made a good block. I thought, I thought when you, I thought when you hit the rim, it's built in. Another fishing solid. So, game stats for DePaul. Big reason why they won this game: three-point shooting, 50%, 10 of 20. Seton Hall is 50% from the floor, 25 of 50. But the Pirates are 4 of 15 from long range and left 7 points at the line. 11 of 18, which notably included Tyree Samuel going 6 of 11. He made his last two free throws, but I mean, he airballed one on a 1 and 1 at some point in the second half. Can't remember when, but you know, more on him in a bit, but... Javen Johnson with 19 points, 7 of 12 shooting, 5 of 9 from deep. Nick Ongenda with 15 points, 6 of 13 from the floor, 4 blocks including that game ceiling block. Jalen Terry had a monster game, 5 of 6 from the floor, perfect from behind the arc at 4 for 4. And he had that ridiculous 3 that ended up tying the game at... Well, I made a two-point game, excuse me, 63-61 right before the Dawes turnover. Meanwhile, 10 for Umoja Gibson, 3 of 7 from the floor, 1 of 4 from long range, but he did hit those three crucial free throws to put the Blue Demons ahead. Yorinay, four points in nine minutes. They got three all from the free throw line from Deshaun Nelson. Erol Penn played just 12 minutes, only had the one point. As for Seton Hall... Tyree Samuel with a double-double, 16 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 of 9 shooting. Again, 6 of 11 for the free throw line. Casey Nadefo, 14 points, only 4 in the second half, 8 rebounds, and 2 blocks. 6 of 7 from the floor, perfect from deep at 2 for 2. Alamir Dawes, 12 points, 6 of 15 shooting, but 0 of 6 behind the arc. Jameer Harris had a solid day, 10 points, 2 of 6 shooting, 2 of 4 from deep. 4 for 4 from the charity stripe, though. 
Femi Odukali, nine points, three boards, three assists, four of seven shooting, but a horrendous one of three from the line. The only bench points came courtesy of Dre Davis, two of three from the floor, four points, but he did find himself in foul trouble, picking up four fouls in those 10 minutes. The only other guy to play off the bench for Seton Hall was his brother Tay, nine minutes, 0 of three from the floor, 0 of two from long range, and I mean, I don't know why Tay Davis is shooting threes when that's clearly not his thing. But again, DePaul, a gussy win. When it looked like it was in the bag that Seton Hall had it, you know, they rose from the dead to pull it out. So here's what uh, head coach Tony Stubblefield had to say about this win. And, you know, he was very vocal about it and couldn't have expressed more pride in his team. Uh, meanwhile, for Seton Hall, before I get to that quote, uh, Shaheen Holloway said, you know, he'd be more than happy to accept an NIT bid if invited. It is the National Invitation Tournament after all. But um, that for Seton Hall, first time they're missing the quarterfinals since 2015, which for context, that was my freshman year of college, which almost led to Kevin Willard's firing, but we all know what happened the year after that. Anyways, not to waste your time, here's Stubbs now on the win. I'm just really happy for our guys. You know, they could have very easily gave into it a couple times during the course of that game. And these guys really stuck with it and um, didn't put their heads down. And, you know, our motto is find a way. And these guys were able to get the job done tonight. But even more so than that, just all that we've dealt with throughout the course of the year, with the injuries, um, all the setbacks we've had. This is actually the third time that we've had our full team. We had them for all of eight minutes um, against St. John's a couple of weeks ago. We had them all against Creighton and then tonight. So just, you know, really happy for our guys, all that they've been through throughout the course of the year, and just to come together and be able to pull out that win tonight. Just really proud of them. So moving on to our final game of the night. I mean, coming off the drama of the DePaul Seton Hall game, it was far from that between Georgetown and Villanova. Georgetown actually led at the first media timeout. 15, uh, with 15-11 left, they led 8-6. Nova then went on an 8-0 run, a 10-0 run, excuse me, as Patrick Ewing called the timeout, and Nova never looked back. They eventually ballooned the lead to 21 at halftime, 41 to 20. They were red hot from three at eight of 16 in that first half. And they just kept pouring it on. The Wildcats hit 15 threes on the night and hold Georgetown to three of 20 from long range. They also own the Hoyas on the glass, 43-27 as Villanova crushes Georgetown 80 to 48. Cam Whitmore, who was the recipient of the Big East Freshman of the Year Award and you know accepted the award earlier in the day, not double-double for him, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 8 of 11 from the floor, and 3 of 5 from behind the arc, had multiple just electrifying dunks in this ballgame as well. One where his head was at pretty much even with the rim. 
Meanwhile, Justin Moore, 13 points. Only played 20 minutes. Four of nine from the floor. Four of seven behind the arc. Three different Wildcats with 10 points each. Brandon Slater, Mark Armstrong, and Brendan Housen, the, the last two of which did it off the bench. Armstrong, 28 minutes. Housen, 16 minutes. E each was two for five from behind the arc. Armstrong, four of 10 from the floor. Housen, four of seven. Caleb Daniels, just seven points, five boards, five assists, just two of nine shooting, one of seven behind the arc. Eric Dixon, 6.6 .6 rebounds, knocked down his only three-point attempt of the game, one of three from the floor. And then Chris Archidiakono knocked down a three late in the game, which Villanova fans, mainly the student section, I feel like, they groaned uh, watching walk-on Colin O'Toole pass up the open three, but instead hand pass it off to Archidiakono, who knocked down the three ball. And then Jordan Longino, two points in 12 minutes. Forty-six point seven percent from the floor, nearly forty-three percent from behind the arc for Nova. And both teams played pretty clean. Pretty clean, excuse me. Georgetown seven turnovers, Villanova eight, and the Wildcats committed just six fouls. Six. Obviously, the star of the game, Cam Whitmore, proving that he earned his Big East Freshman of the Year award. I know UConn fans won't like to hear that. I mean, again, I thought it was close between him and Alex Caravan, but I think I had Whitmore with a slight edge. But here is the Freshman of the Year talking about... And by the way, I wasn't trying to bait him, okay? I wasn't. But... I give him credit for, you know, not taking the inadvertent bait I threw out, but here's what he had to say about, well, almost, talking about how he wanted to go out there and prove that he was the rightful Big East Freshman of the Year. Cam, for you, um, earlier today, you know, you received Big East Freshman of the Year. Um, were you trying to, in a way, go out there and make a statement, prove that, you know, your honor was deserved? As for the Hoyas, only one player in double figures, and it was Primo Spears who had 17 points, five boards, seven assists, six of 14 from the floor, one of three behind the arc. Brandon Murray, Jay Heath, each with eight points. Murray, three of eight from the floor, and one of three behind the arc. Heath really struggled. Three of 14 overall, 0 of five from downtown. Five for Bryson Mazzone. Uh, for Bryson Mozone, two of six shooting, one of five from long range. Bradley Azawiro, just four points on two of three shooting. I'm trying to think if there are any notable absences. I feel like I feel like there was. I'm trying to remember who. Oh, the notable absence, obviously Noah Cook a Cook. Which that having that interior presence really hurt the Hoyas. Especially on the glass. So, um, off the bench, they only had six total points. Four from Wayne Bristol Jr. Caduce Wahab only played six minutes and had two points. Jordan Riley played 21 minutes. Um, so, as a wearer, 16 minutes, 21 for, for Mozone. Uh, Malcolm Wilson played seven minutes. And Denver England played three at the end. So... 
Obviously, the big storyline coming out of this was this Patrick Ewing's final game as the head coach. On the surface, I would think so, and with all the talk, it seems like it. But I'm not going to, you know, I won't believe it till I see it. And, you know, some reporters, you know, they really didn't hold back. They were unafraid to ask Ewing about his future. And if he, one guy even asked, do you want to come back to coach Georgetown? But me, you know, I understand why those reporters would because, you know, they want to get that kind of soundbite and, you know, get an answer out of them. So, I mean, they're trying to do their job. I, I totally get it. But me personally, wanted to keep my focus on the game. Here's what Coach Ewing had to say about, you know, starting off up 8-6 to six at the first media timeout and things kind of unraveling for the remainder of the first half and beyond. Coach, you were actually leading after, you know, going into the first media timeout. Um, after that, um, what do you think really happened? Was it the offense becoming stagnant? Was it Villanova's defense stifling you a little more? Was there, or was it a combination? I think it's miss open shots um, and then when, when you miss open shots you, pick, you tend to press their defense uh, and de- defensive intensity picked up uh, then they were they started making shots and then you know uh, it was like a floodgate moving on to today's quarterfinals I feel like I made most of my picks already um, I'm taking Marquette over St. John's I mean I do think St. John's there might be a little more juice in the building now that they're back in the quarterfinals and they haven't been to the semis since 2000. For context, I was four. I was four years old when that happened. I mean, yeah, it feels like an eternity, although in the March Madness simulation for the rest of the 2020 season... They did make the semis with a win over Creighton, so that would have ended that 20-year drought. And granted, Creighton was without uh, star point guard Marcus Zigorowski because he uh, tore his meniscus. But again, that's beside the point. Taking on a Marquette team, they haven't won a Big East tournament game since 2019, ironically, in the quarters against St. John's, a game in which they won 86-54. I think there's some juice in the building now, with uh, for, for, at least juice with Marquette, because they're outright regular season champions, number one seed in the Big East tournament, both for the first time in their program history in the Big East. I'm going to take the Golden Eagles, but again, St. John's, don't be surprised that they really keep it close. Marquette, by the way, a nine-point favorite as we speak. I already made my pick for Providence and UConn. I think Providence will come out with a little more fire because of the fact that this is their longtime Big East rival and their New England rival in this conference. UConn's a seven-point favorite, but again, don't be surprised if Providence puts up a fight and makes it a lot more competitive than it was at Gamble just 15 days ago. I still got UConn winning, though. They're, I mean, they're, they're just red hot. And then the night session, Xavier is going to face DePaul now, unlike my pick for Seton Hall. Musketeers right now, 12.5-point favorites. Xavier was the last team DePaul beat before last night, which 
DePaul had gone 49 days between victories. First quarterfinal appearance for them. Well, they were going to make the quarterfinals in 2020. They, they did make it, but they never got to play the quarterfinal game against Villanova that year. And that year, they ironically enough beat Xavier in the first round. But with this game, listen. DePaul, they might have used everything, every every bit of juice they had to win last night. But you know what? I think DePaul, I'm going to give them credit. Like, I mean, they're legitimately, you know, at full strength. I mean, I really do think, you know, they have a full roster, and Stubbs even said it. This is maybe, like, the first full game, at least, they've had a full roster. And you know what? I think that's going to help DePaul, but just not enough. I think Xavier's going to win in a game that's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take Xavier by, by 7. 77-70 is the final. That's my pick. I mean, it partially might be affected by the fact that Jerome Hunter, well, excuse me, Zach Fremantle is still going to be out. Um, lost my train of thought here with all this noise in the building, but um, I mean, it might affect him just a little bit. Xavier will still win the game, but now that Angenda's playing in this game, I think that will be more to DePaul's advantage, helping out on the inside against Hunter and Nunji. But I do think Xavier still wins by a touchdown. And then the nightcap, Villanova Creighton. Creighton's a five-point favorite. And the full 40 pointed out in that night session, Villanova's the only Northeastern team in the night session because you got DePaul and Xavier, Chicago, Cincinnati, and then Villanova Creighton, Villanova being in Philly, or right outside Philly, Creighton being in Omaha. So Villanova fans, they got a great chance to take the building over, which I think they will definitely do and then some. And the last time these two teams met back on February 25th in Philly, Nova pounded Creighton. I mean, it was a 12-point final margin, but we also for, don't forget also that when they met in Omaha three weeks ago, they nearly won it in Omaha, losing by just five. You know, I think Nova matches up really well with Creighton, and this is going to be different. Like I said yesterday with Creighton coming off playing Georgetown and DePaul last week to now facing Nova, who the game before those two wins... I think I just think Nova matches up better with them. And you know, I'm sticking with my gut. I'm taking Villanova going to the semis. And I'm sticking by my final score prediction of 70 to 66. 
So that's going to do it for today's edition of the Igloo. I feel like um, the Marquette band uh, is actually playing, you know, the like the Oscars, like, you know, wrap it up music. So I wish I had a Chappelle show, like wrap it up clock on me, because, you know, that would be more indicative. It would be more of a cue for me to just wrap it up. So that's what I'm going to do, because tip-off is coming up between St. John's and Marquette in just about a half an hour. And that's over on FS1. Again, make sure to watch all the games today on FS1, 12, 2.30, and then 7 and 9.30. All right, got to run. Thanks for tuning into the Igloo. Complete quarterfinal recap coming up tomorrow where I'll have a lot more time to record and a lot more free space where I won't be interrupted by bands and I don't have to go all the way up to the Chase Bridges to do that. I, at least I don't have to wake up early now. Uh, because tomorrow's uh, semifinal session, you got 6.30 and 9 o'clock. So very content about that and really looking forward to getting rest after what should be a very long day here in the world's most famous arena. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you tomorrow for another edition of the coolest podcast in all of college basketball, the Igloo as the March Marathon rolls on from the Big Apple.